Looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company on Pass the Post. It's Sunday, the 2nd of October. Thanks to Archer Park Racing, too, for their support of Pass the Post. Archerparkracing.com.au, the website to go to. They produce the goods on Wednesday. First up from Victoria, TikTok Queen, straight to the line. So another uh, interstater, ex-interstater, coming up tremors for the team. So I'm sure they'll have plenty of fun with that, Mayor. There been plenty of races under the care of Tony Gollum. Ben Dorries is with me in the studio. I'm with him in the studio. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. I've got a be in my bonnet about something, but first, I reckon... Be in your bonnet. I have, yeah. But firstly, I reckon, you know who the happiest man in the world today is? Who? It's not me. It's not you. I reckon it's that French handicapper <laughs> that kicked very elegant out of the arc, mm. and she was very plain overnight, I thought. So I think the French handicapper was having some uh, snails and frogs legs for breakfast this morning, so yeah, what, interesting stuff. What's the uh, immediate future for very elegant, do you think? Oh, well, I don't know. I just thought she could head to England. Um... I mean, look, maybe we're being a bit harsh. I mean, some of these, there's been a fair bit of travel involved, hasn't there? And some of these, you even see it in reverse, that you take a preparation to come good when you travel to the other side of the world. But, uh, yeah, really interesting stuff. But uh, the the, <laughs> the bosses of the uh, the French Gallop over there, or Gallop or whatever you call it, I think they uh, would have been having a few champagnes when they saw very elegant, not run so well after not letting her run. Yeah, uh, pro- probably a, a bigger story here than it may have been over there, but uh, but but you're right. But, look, she is uh, a mare in advanced years and, um, you know, she can never lose what she's done here, particularly that, that Melbourne Cup victory of last year. So it will be interesting to see what happens. Now, get the bonnet and get the beer. Yeah, OK. Now, I might get kicked off this show and off this network forever for saying this because we're all meant to be rainbows and happiness and all this sort of stuff, which is great, and I, I love good racing. I thought yesterday was a very, very underwhelming day of racing for a day with four Group 1s. We had an Epsom, 10-horse race, the top weight, 56 and a half. Uh, I thought it was a modest race at best. The Metro, La Donde V, the dead heater, and Arapahoe, which was the third favourite, uh, or third or fourth favourite, uh, a few starts ago, they were contesting the Calandra Cup. You had a $1 million hill stakes with only six starters. In Melbourne, you had the Turnbull, which is traditionally a spring shaping race, and good on Smoke and Romans for winning it. That horse has leapt out of the ground. But what do we really learn from the Turnbull? Oh, I'm not really sure. And I noticed the other day, James McDonald, uh, in a column, you know, an exclusive column he penned for RaceNet, actually made some of these points as well. He said there used to be something really, really special about Epsom Day, and he just thinks maybe, you know, there's not any more. He made the point there's maybe some horses bypassing the Epsom because they're qualified for the big dance. I mean, that, that's potentially one answer. But I'm not sure. We just, I think outside of Nature Strip and Animo, we're really crying out for some headline horses, some some poster horses. I mean, yes, there were some good results yesterday, and we'll talk to some very excited guests that we'll have on this show and good on them. But I must admit, last night I... I just had a thought, it didn't leave me really up and about for the rest of the spring watching all the racing yesterday. Yeah, I suppose, and I think what you say is essentially right, but you can't manufacture racing years. Like, if they're not there, they're not there. So 100%, you, so, yeah. so, so you can't, you know, sugarcoat it or, or rainbow it up. Uh, I think the, the thing that I noticed most out of yesterday, before the racing even started, was the fact of the Epsom, initially with 12 down to 10 runners. And I may mention on, on radio yesterday that... Yeah, the Epsom, and I'm old school, I'm old, uh, was traditionally a 20-horse field, sometimes larger uh, in, in days gone by, you know, a big mile handicap, the, the spring mile handicap. And to be fair, this day, or yesterday, was was once the culmination of the spring carnival in Sydney. This was the big day. Uh, and then, of course, we turned our attention to Melbourne. That's all been turned on its head. That's another story for another time. Uh, so, you know, we've still got big races ahead. So there's still really, in fact, now in a way, yesterday's almost like the start of the, the big gun or the, the platinum part of the car. But, but that's what left me a little bit down in the dumps last night. It normally is, and you normally see... I mean, for instance, last year we had sort of incentivised coming through the ranks and, uh, you know, very elegant on the way to the Melbourne Cup. Look, uh, it's still going to be a terrific spring, but I just would love to see one or two more headline horses than Christ for the Everest. Um, you know, that is a race to really look forward to with, obviously, Nature Strip, the big dog, and the Premier Stakes yesterday... Uh, there were some terrific runs in that. That that was a good race. You're probably going to say the same thing next Saturday. Well, next Sunday when we sit here, because the Caulfield Guineas has lost Jack Quino to the Everest, 
And yesterday we learned that half cabinet had a bleeding attack in its out. So two headline horses gone from that Group One race. Mm. And to be fair, you know, how's the Caulfield Cup shaping up? Yeah, we exactly. know that we know that Cox Plate, the Cox Plate of the Everest, have been the two races as we've gone through the last few months, which have been building, building, building. Are getting gravitas, and we've been seeing the headline horses, and they're all getting ready for those big, big races. So they're the two. Away from that, it does fall away. But you know, it so is... you agree with me? I I do agree with you. I I, I, I do agree with you. But I'm, I'm not saying what I'm saying is why do the Epsom only have twelve runners? Mm. And there has to be a reason. And I'm sure there's been a dilution of the product where there there's an embarrassment of riches, so to speak. And I can go there, there, or there rather than. Mm. The interesting, the last one on that, though, the interesting thing with that is, I mean, everyone says, oh, Melbourne versus Sydney and blah, blah, blah. But I just think even if you put the best horses racing in Melbourne yesterday and the best horses in Sydney, if you put them all together, like, oh, I don't know, it's just a little bit underwhelmed. But look, uh, onwards and upwards. Um, You've always been hard to please. Well, no, I haven't really. Uh, look, anyway. Well, you've started on a, not a negative note, but I think quite a noteworthy note. <laughs> You know what I thought the hollow... Will I be on this show again, do you reckon? Yeah, I did. You you know what I thought the highlight was, and funnily enough, it lends to your theory, wasn't the races yesterday at Royal Randwick, but it was the theatre waiting for the photo to come up. 100%. Full full marks to to Sky Thoroughbred Central. They've got the opportunity, being the, the boutique station, to just stay on that. Full marks to Greg Radley and, and Corey Brown and Ron Dobson, the whole team. They had to keep it going. And I think they were starting to struggle at the end. But the pictures, the pictures yeah. were great. It was superb with Sterling Alexio, who we'll, we'll have on the show soon, and, and Annabelle Neesham coming together on the track and waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, I, I, th- I thought, um, you know, Santa was going to arrive from the North Pole sooner than they were going to decide that photo. I thought well, something must have broken down or something. Ten minutes to decide a photo. Wow. Yeah, wait. it's a... It's a Probably wouldn't be a bad interview to speak to those judges and what they just go through. But uh, when you've got a, a Group One race worth a lot of money, and uh, it was a hell of a long time. And actually, the producers at Eagle Farm, we had it on the big screen there, which, which you would have seen. And they were saying, "Oh, should we?" They were starting a panic. Should we cross to Eagle Farm because they're at the barrier? I said, "Leave it on there. You've got to leave it until you get the result." Yeah, absolutely. And finally, it came through. All right, enough discussion. Let's go to the racing and let's go to the the Tab Epsom, the the feature race in Sydney, one of three feature races. In fact, here's the replay. 500 metres to run, cross talk in front from Nimalee, who's sticking to the task, two lengths away to Hinge top rank slightly balked there, getting to the outside, Ice Bath is two lengths away, as Nimalee takes the lead now at the top of the rise, but top ranked is closing in, so's Hinge Ellsberg taking a run towards the inside, Ice Bath, the wheels are spinning, it's top ranked and Hinge going to the front, top ranked, Hinge Ellsberg's fighting on on the inside coming home hard, top ranked in front from Ellsberg, top ranked Ellsberg bobbed. Oh, close one in the Epsom. Ellsberg's really bobbed there on the inside and made it very close from top ranked. Hinge just finished third and they gapped the rest. Nimali, Ice Bath, Fangirl, Cross Talk, War Eternal, Keku and Papali. Well, that was a great broadcast there by Darren Flindell, really uh, getting the action. And in the end, after a long, long wait, the judge couldn't separate top ranked and Ellsberg. It was a dead heat. In fact, it was the third time there's been a dead heat in the Epsom, but the first one under photo finish conditions. I think the other years were 1873 and 1925. So 2022 will go down as a special moment, particularly for our first guest, his first Group 1 winner, Sterling Alexio. Sterling, good morning. And firstly, congratulations on winning the race, but uh, your, first as a group one, your first Group 1 as a, a trainer. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ben. Um, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, no, big thrill for myself and my family yesterday. We'll talk about Ellsberg in a moment, but I want to talk about you and, and I want our listeners to know more about you. Just tell us how you got to where you were yesterday. Um, basically, I sort of had nothing to do with the industry. Um, my father had a bit of an interest in the punning side of it. Um, I started out doing a little bit of work for Gillian Hoss Heinrich at the Gold Coast. Uh just progressed to a stage where I thought I'd, you know, I really wanted to move to Sydney or uh, Melbourne metro area and uh, linked up a bit of a, an association with Gerald and um, 10 years later, here we are. Congratulations, uh, Sterling. Um, I, I, that was clearly the highlight of the day in terms of the spectacle of it, the 10 minutes. It must have been the longest <laughs> 10 minutes of your life waiting for that photo finish. Uh, was it? And did you think you'd won or did you think you'd dead heated or did you think you'd, you'd lost? 
No, I, originally watching it in uh, live speed, I thought I won. I, I'm pretty good ju- judge at um, judging the photo, uh, sort of the the finish, and uh, I thought we'd got it, and I got a bit excited there. And then as I was walking out under the the tunnel at Randwick, they they pulled up the slow mo the uh, the side shot, and I, uh, in that instance, I thought we might have got beat. And then, um, as you said, it, it just went on for um, a far school amount of time. I thought, oh, but now that something's happened with the um, with the camera, it hasn't worked or something. So there's, there's lots of things running through my mind at that stage. Um, yeah, it was just a, in the end, to see it go up a dead heat, it was more of a more of a relief than anything. <laughs> we were saying just before the actual weight, which was shown on Sky Thoroughbred Central, it lasted a long time. It ten minutes. Uh, probably to you felt like an hour, but you became part of the actual theatre after the event with uh, standing with Annabelle Nishim on the track. And I can see there was a lot of nervous laughter there, but but the adrenaline that must have been going through you would have been extraordinary, just waiting. Yeah, it was. And as you said, in the end, it was just, it was just a relief. Um, you know, we'd, we'd prob- I've gone from obviously thinking I'd just won my first group one to all of a sudden you start doubting yourself and things are only in your through your head. You think you got all excited for nothing and they're going to take it off you, but... Um, I think both the jockeys were in that sort of frame of mind too. They'd, they'd probably both thought they'd, they'd won and come back to scale. And in the end, I think between me and Annabelle and the two jockeys, I think everyone was just relieved. Um, you know, we all come out winners. I, I bet you probably wouldn't have thought you would have got your first Group 1 with Ellsberg. It always struck me as maybe a fringe Group 1 horse, but I suppose when the Epsom came up pretty light on like it did, you, you, you're in there with the show. Yeah, and look, we've probably been on the record, Gerald and myself, you know, saying that, you know, he's, he's you know, a very good, honest horse. Um, obviously, he ran third in the all-aged in the um, in the autumn and, you know, things didn't obviously go his way uh, up in Queensland um, on, on a very firm track at Eagle Farm. But, you know, he's been, we've, we've looked after him all his, all his career because he's looked after us and we, he's been very well placed. We've um, picked out his race as well. So, um you know, when it, when that race come up a little bit light Tuesday morning, we sort of thought, you know, maybe it's time just to throw, you know, caution to the wind and just accept up and what'll be, what'll be. You know, you'll be the twenty to one shot, a bit of pressure will come off, and it was good because it gave us the chance to ride him. How we've been itching to ride him for for quite a while. You know, he's he's a lot, a lot of the Sydney jockeys and probably the press have got him penned as a, a horse that needs to lead and get his own way to to be at his best, but. Um, I think he just appreciates a good rolling tempo and a bit of room to move. And, you know, when he gets that, we, we get a result like yesterday. I thought the, I don't know if you've seen it, but I thought the overhead shot of the last 100 metres or so was really fascinating because it looked like your horse was sort of going to be beaten. Like it, the overhead was, you know, sort of slowly making ground, but, and, and then just really sprouted wings in the last, the last little bit. Yeah, he, he's got he's got a really good first up record, and his his second up form's pretty. Um, although he's run some good races, he's never been able to win. And yeah, um, we we thought we had him pretty right the other day, and uh, it was a bit bit disappointing after the race. He you know they it sort of got it soft enough on speed, and they just seemed to go past him a bit too easy for mine. But he he seemed to cop the back up really good, and his work on Thursday morning was as good as he's ever gone. So. Um, yeah, it's good to good to see him show show a lot of fight too. Um, obviously, Huey and Annabelle's horse was only second up, so he might have been feeling the pinch late. But he's just a great old honest horse, and um, you know he's got a great group of bonus. Yeah, exactly right. And you make a good point there that I, I hadn't realised that this was the way the way he was ridden yesterday by Brett Navdala. This is the way you wanted him ridden because looking at the the replay of yesterday, watching the race live, then watching the replay. I know it's a career best because it's a Group One, but I think a career best performance as well. The fact that he sat back and he was finding the line grimly. He was he was as he was in a real dogfight. And you know, to be fair, you got to say what you think. I didn't think he was that sort of horse, but he, he showed it clearly yesterday. No, and to be honest, I thought he was really really poor in at the weights. Um, you know, he's given weight to a couple of you know Fangirl and Hinge, both Group One winners, and you sort of give him four kilos five kilos away to that calibre of horse it sort of um, doesn't make you feel very well going into the race to start with so um, no, as you said he's, he's, he's got a really um, sort of short SP sort of profile and we've, we've probably ridden him to 
take out, uh, luck out of the equation a lot of the times, and it was just good to sort of go in a race with no pressure and just go out there and ride the horse and how the how the race unfolded. And and just to to end on that point too, these races, these Group One races, you know, I think as the results showed yesterday with with the margins, it would dead eat by a, a neck or something. There's not much between these horses at the top level, and you can't win all the time. In fact, it's bloody hard to win. So he's been in every Dom fight. You look at his, his record: Doncaster, All Age, Kingsford Smith, Theo Mark Shannon. So it went his way yesterday. But before you go, tell us about this Five Diamonds race. Yeah, so it's. Uh Set weight and penalties at Randwick in two weeks um, for five-year-olds only. Um, he will, I, th- I think he'll cop a three-and-a-half kilo penalty after winning Group 1 now, so he'll have to carry 59-and-a-half. But um, that, was the, that was the idea. Yeah. Uh, we are going to go three three weeks from the Shannon to there, and obviously when it come up a bit, a bit light, um, the Epsom, will, we got away with the win yesterday. But um, if he doesn't sort of... Give us a feel in the next couple of weeks that he's ready to go back to the races. He won't. We'll find another race for him. But at this stage, you'll you'll go to the Five Diamond Prelude, and it's worth a million dollars. So uh, prize money in Sydney is great at the minute, and it's hard to sort of turn your nose up at races like that and start looking elsewhere. So just to clarify, so there's a Prelude, and then the Five Diamond. When is the Five Diamond yeah. race? So the Five Diamonds race is at um, Rose Hill. So that's two weeks after the prelude, which is on Everest Day, and that's, okay. that's over 1,800 metres. So that's probably a bridge we haven't crossed with him, whether he, um, you know, whether he could sort of sustain that gallop out to 1,800 metres. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a query, but um, something we'll probably have a bit more of a think about after his next start. But you don't find a five-year-old race with two million two hundred, do you? <laughs> no, no. And when you do, you want to sure win. Should never think about that. <laughs> hey, uh, look, congratulations. Uh, love these shows when we can speak to people who achieve milestones in their careers, and you've done it yesterday under very spectacular circumstances. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ben. There is Sterling Alexio, and, and congratulations to Gerald Ryan as well. It was quite emotional after the win, and. I suppose if you're waiting there for 10 minutes, you would be emotional. Gerald, of course, won an Epsom with Clangalang back mm. in 2003. So, And, of course, Brendan O'Donnell, that was his second Epsom win. He won with Secret Admirer in 2011. Yeah, um, not a particularly memorable Epsom apart from those extraordinary scenes, I reckon. Um, uh, some of the uh, beaten brigade were interesting. I thought Hinge probably had a, uh, had a chance, didn't get beaten far. Um, very tight towards the end. It did, she yeah. sort of was the she was literally the meat and the sandwich. I don't think it was sufficient for uh, McAvoy to consider a protest because the margin between the dead heaters and Hinge was a neck. Yep. Maybe if it had been a head, it might have been different. But there was certainly tightening. There. Wouldn't that have added to the theatre? A <laughs> protest after a ten-minute uh, photo finish. And oh. yeah, look, ice bath. I thought was was ordinary. Um, Probably, you know, maybe got a bit you know, too far back, um, but got well beaten. Fangirl, I'm not sure why Chris Waller even ran her on a heavy track. She just doesn't go doesn't go a yard in the wet. But anyway, cross-talk lead was disappointing, but all honours with Ellsberg and terrific result for Sterling Alexio in particular. And let's just also pay uh, homage to Top Ranked. I mean, uh, this horse is a horse that we don't know a lot about, but every time we see it, like... Uh, Produced first up in the Hunter last year at Newcastle. Then, of course, only had the, the one run during the autumn and uh, suffered some injury in the Chipping Norton. Then, of course, won the Bill Ritchie first up and then dead-heating the Epsom. So looks as though Annabelle Nisham is considering or hoping that he can secure a Cox Plate start. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting old Cox Plate. And I'll tell you what, our next guest, Noel Greenow, the, uh, I shouldn't say mad Irishman, but the fun Irishman, might have a part to play in the Cox Plate. Okay, we'll come to that. I don't know if it be mad or fun, but also it can be angry on occasion. But we'll find that out very shortly because first up, let's have a listen to Zoo Gotcha's win in the, the flight, the, the Group 1 grand final for the three-year-old fillies. North Star last leads narrowly coming to the turn. Pavitra's under plenty of pressure now. So she's extreme quickly, peels off heels. Zugotcha stays back towards the inside. Two clear from Madame Pomery. Fireburn six lengths away, given the cue by Abdullah, and she's starting to wind up. Zugotcha went up the fence to join North Star last. She's extreme, four lengths to Fireburn. It's Zugotcha. North Star last and she's extreme. Fireburn can't get there, but Zugotcha has got the Princess Series wrapped up. Big winner. 
the flight stakes. Anzu gotcha you, winner by two and a half to She's Extreme. North Star last third, a gap back to Fireburn. Then Pavitra, further back to Renaissance Woman from Wolverine, Madame Pomery, Byron Burler and Whisker to Whisker. 10 out of 10 ride by James McDonald. Do you expect nothing less? Of course you don't. Uh, she box seats and she's too good for them. Um, completing a wonderful um, spring season, winning the Silver Shadow, winning the T-Rose and the flight yesterday. Noel Greenholch is joining us now. Noel, good morning. It's a, a bit of, It was a bittersweet day yesterday. Firstly, tell our listeners, if you don't mind, about the bitter part. Morning, David. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what should have been a very, very sweet day. Yeah, it did start off a bit bitter. Um, Marie and I, um, we had booked uh, to go to Sydney at 8.40 with Virgin Airlines uh, yesterday morning and had left plenty of time, booked cars to pick us up, booked hotels to stay in last night uh, and um, uh, proceeded to get to the airport. I mean, you know, there's a lot of work goes in. Marie, Marie got up early and was ready and looked beautiful in, in her gown and I looked pretty good in my suit too. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so we were off to the airport and we got there at 7.30 for an 8.40 a.m. flight, um, proceeded to go towards the lounge and then were just notified with a text message by Virgin to say that our flight was cancelled. And in the current environment, um, you know, we all have to accept things that are a little bit different in the world than we were previously used to. But... You know, for, for for it to happen as we are in the airport for a flight that's sort of due to depart, you know, less than an hour, um, it's just not good enough. And, I mean, I, I just think these airlines are, I know there's, you know, constraints on them with staffing issues. We've all got that in our businesses and we're all trying to make it work. But, you know, surely there's some way of, of advising people before they go to all the effort and the trouble to get to an airport to, that your flight's cancelled. And, you know, once I got to the service desk to try and, you know, we would have been happy to be reallocated the seat on a 9 o'clock, 9.30, 10 o'clock, whatever it might have been, to get us to the races on time. But, you know, the the, the, the person appointed by um, Virgin to sort it out said, oh, we can get you on a 4 p.m. flight this afternoon. Um, so we were quite disgusted and made that known. And I think that there's a lot of work to be done by, you know, by the duopoly uh, in this country with airlines in terms of providing a better service because they don't mind charging you for it. And I think there's a lot of responsibility on Linda, the CEO of Virgin, and Alan, the fellow countryman CEO of Qantas, to start getting things right because it's just it's just, it's just horrendous. It's, it, it's just not fair. The, the good news, I suppose, that came out of it, Noel, uh, mm. was I gather you have never actually been on track uh, you know, when you've won a Group One, you, you've watched them all from home or from a pub or, or somewhere. So maybe there's a bit of superstition there. So and, and it all there, sort of worked there, out. There's certainly an almond building, Ben, um, and it's not one that we're, we're wanting to continue with. Um, but look, um, we've. I, th- I, I was trying to recount with Maria last night, and I think it's our fifth Group One, um, and we've only been present at one. So. Um, for different reasons, we did. Um, we, we haven't. We've missed out on El Bodigon in France. We've missed out on Unforgotten winning the Oaks. We've missed out on Sir Dragon winning Cox Plate. Yesterday's you got you winning the God bless her in the winning the flight stakes, and we did get to Amicus in the in the thousand guineas um, oh, maybe five five or six years ago. Um, and we the experience that we experienced that day was so good that we want to experience more. But just through circumstances and situations we, we've missed out on four out of the five yeah so and and look yeah to be honest with you chris is probably chris probably doesn't want to see me and i don't blame him to be honest with you i'm tipping the stables the, the staff virgin who you gave it to probably aren't keen to see you again real soon <laughs> he, might right, be, he might be he might be slinging the virgin mob yeah and maybe yeah. you should invest in a private jet sort of lloyd williams style or something they're calling you the new lloyd williams now now, racing. now now ben we're 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 a small family also <laughs> fruit and vegetable business mate so let's not get carried away <laughs> what, a, what about, we saw her up here in the winter. She ran fifth of 11 in the Bill Carter. She was the favourite that day. That was her last run and she she was she went for a break. What did Chris Waller and James McDonald say to the ownership team? Did they give you confidence to say, we're going to look forward to the spring with her? Yeah, yeah. Um, from Right from the day that she won her first start. Um, and she beat a good horse that day, that Zoo Tiger that John O'Shea has, who's come out and, mm. you know, Frank Former in running third. 
um, last week in the in the Golden Rose. Um, um, so yes, there was an anticipation. And, and look, we, Chris was tempted to leave her in in the paddock after the second Sydney run, and and he said, look, we'll take her up to Brisbane for the experience, the travel. She unfortunately drew, I think, in the draw, 17 out of 17 that day, and I think she jumped from about 11 or 12 and. Sort of her style of racing was was tested that day because she got back to last and was ridden again beautifully by James and flashed down the outside and run a really eye catching fifth and I thought we might go on to something else but Chris um, was typically you know and you, you know he's a genius at it and he said no that that'll do her and he he only gave her a short break up here you know he, he likes doing this with fillies it gives them three or four weeks with a bit of sun on their back not that we've seen that much sun this winter but I mean. Um, it's obviously better than it has been down south. So, and then since she's been back in, yeah. And then, and again, you've got to, you know, really, really appreciate the genius of the man. I mean, all along, the flight stakes was going to be her target. And when he, when he, when he selects these grand finals for these horses, he, he just seems to get it right so many times. It's, it's, it's quite incredible. I don't know the answer to this question, but I reckon I do. Um, she started $4.20. I spoke to you on Tuesday morning to do a bit of preparation for Trek to the Everest, which we, we film uh, for Sky Racing, and spoke to you about this girl. You said she just, you were so confident. You just said she will not get beat. She, this is just her race. But, but she actually started pretty decent odds. I'm suspecting you had a decent bet and a fill up on the punt. Well, you know, I watched, I watched the Everest show then and, Anyone that didn't take heed of your uh, enthusiasm and um, very kind <laughs> words about, you know, <laughs> what I was expecting, you know, you know, they really deserve not to be winning. <laughs> <laughs> Having said that, um, um, look, the for- to me, and I wasn't being anyway cocky about it, but I mean, the form around the filly is 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 the best form. Like, I mean. She's beaten Zoo Tiger, like I said. Um, she's beaten in secret. She, you know, started short price favourite for the the Rose last week. Um, you know, and now she's beaten the two best Group One winning fillies of last year. I mean, they're, they're between the two of them, Firebrand and she's explained they won the Slipper, the Sires, and the Champagne. So, you know, the form around her going into it was very, very strong. There, there's obviously a question mark on on whether these fillies, you know, will run a strong mile. Having said that, you know they're they're up and coming. They're 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 growing in strength, and and you know you have to expect that they will in the, in in this spring prep. And she did, and she just seems to be able to, you know, I, I don't know. It was, it was it was quite incredible how how strong she was yesterday through the line too. So yeah, she said that. Um, yeah, um, I did have a I did have a nibble. <laughs> <laughs> how big the nibble is, we don't know. What about we we talk about the genius of Waller, and that's that's just accepted but the genius of mcdonald as well and from an owner's point of view and i suppose you're a putter as well and you're invested in a lot of races when he's on your horse you just feel well i imagine maybe i'm wrong but i don't think i am you feel so comfortable don't you because he wherever they are he just gives them every chance yes he does and and look you know he's he's a terrific um i've got to know him quite well he's a terrific young man i mean i've never ever and i was saying to maria I've never met a more competitive human being, whether it's on a horse, whether it's playing golf, whether it's tossing a coin. Mate, he is the most competitive human being I've ever come across and, like, just wants to win everything. Like, there's just no getting beaten with him. Um, and he, he is a genuinely terrific human being. Um, yes, it does, David. And, like, I suppose the only... Um, bad bit about him being on, which I, I you know, I'm happy to pay, is, is that you generally get under the odds because there's the macker factor, you know. So. 100%. Um, but he, 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 yeah, he rarely gets it wrong and his judgment is just impeccable and, you know, I mean, with Chris and him, they're, they're just a force and, yeah, it, it, the results stand for themselves. I think it was his 68 Group 1 winner yesterday and Chris is 138 with our Philly, so yeah, it's quite incredible. Double-pronged uh, question from me, Noel, just to finish off with. Francesco Guardi, I oh, should have mm-hmm. won the bar Cummings. Lucky lucky mm-hmm. to, to stay upright, let alone sort of, you know, be in the money. That was uh, it was extraordinary to watch. And the other one, uh, just tell us, tell our listeners a little bit about your import for the Cox Plate, going to be first up in the Cox Plate, El Bodegon, yeah. uh, a mm-hmm. horse from Europe. Uh, we spoke about it during the week. Tiny horse, only 415 kilograms. 
So, so going to Francesco Guardi first, I mean, that was an enormous effort. And again, you know, placement by Chris of these horses, like he, he was to run in the Metrop and obviously the track ran, looked for a better track. He sent him and Surefire down there and they both ran reasonably well. Um, but uh, sorry, sorry, um, him in the, in the back comings and Surefire in the, in the Turnbull. But, um, mate, <clears throat> it's an interesting one, Ben, and the overhead shot, um, seems to, um, indicate that he didn't clip heels he actually might have jumped at a shadow or jumped at something and it's a very interesting one but you can go back on twitter and you can look at francesco guardi yarmouth he ran as in it was either his first or second start at yarmouth in the uk and mate, there's a crossing there a bit like you know some of the crossings at our tracks and Oshin, uh, Oshin um, rode him that day and, and you know, top-ranked jockey. And mate, he got to the, the crossing and he tried to jump it and almost did exactly the same thing as he did yesterday. Went down on, on virtually all fours and the jockey miraculously stayed on. So he, he, there might be a little bit of a habit there um, that, you know, I don't know whether he shied at something, but mate, for him then to um, pick up again... And then sort of get held up, which you know we were we weren't overly happy with. Um, but get held up and flash down the outside, mate, was just quite incredible. Um, um, and look, there's there's a bit, there's a bit of a um, a rating for this horse. He, he he's, he's highly regarded um, in the stable, and um, yeah, I think I think we'll see the best of him uh, probably next prep over a mile and a half. Um, the imported horse. Um, for the Cox Plate is a very interesting one. Um, it was trained. We, we bought it as a yearling in the UK. Um, it was being. It was, has been trained by James Ferguson in at Newmarket for the past um, year and a half, and he's done an extraordinary job with it. Made him fairness to him. He's doing a great job with, with, with some yearlings that were involved with um, a real, real up and coming trainer. Um, the, the the model is that. These horses, we'll buy them as yearlings. We'll, we'll run them in the UK at two and three, and then if they're showing enough potential to come to Australia, we'll do that. And this horse has obviously come out and won a group one at two, um, over 2,000 metres, um, and he's gone on and, and, and retained his form. He's run second in the French Derby in June and then came out and ran third in the Voltiger at, at York over, over a mile and a half. Um, we, we, we do have an opinion of him. He has been transferred to the... Uh, training of Chris Waller, so that's that's again part of our model. They'll they'll come to Chris when they're ready, um, and he's settled in beautifully at Werribee. Um, he had his first sort of half serious gallop yesterday morning, and he'll have another one on Tuesday. And I think um, I'll stand correct, but I think Huey might be going down to ride him around the valley to um, to see how he feels and whether it might be up in, in Huey's um, um, interest to ride him in the Cox fight. Having said that, mate, we're, we're, we're quietly confident with this horse. I think you'll see a, a genuine racehorse on the day. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Cox fights are hard to win. And, um, but I think he'll give give a sight, and, and particularly if it rains. He, he just seems to, to, to sprout wings when, it, when it's wet. So, um yeah, it's an he's an interesting one. He's around the ten dollar mark in the market at the minute, and yeah, might be might be having a nibble at him too. Another nibble. Well, he he is he is the wild card. We've seen all of our locals, but uh, he's the one we don't really know. But you've given some good insight. Just before you go, make sure with that credit that Virgin have given you, check the expiry date. I'd hate to see you miss out on the the, the credit they give you for the, for the play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they're bad. <laughs> we want to go with scratching. Book. They, Can they you give the credit like, to me then? Life yesterday. <laughs> so it's over. The, it's over the Joycey now and see if he can do it for his fellow countrymen. Yeah. So. Good to talk to you, mate. See you guys. No oh, great. I was joining us this morning. Good chat there. Imagine being the, um, you know, person at Virgin yesterday. <laughs> Just like I mean, a day on, like he, he's. I think he he hasn't quite recovered, has he? You know. So anyway, great exactly. man. Exactly. Here's the producer walking now. What's going on here? Changing things around. Okay, thank you for that. Thank you for that. What does that mean? Oh, he's pointing and waving hands or whatever. <laughs> I think he knows what he's doing. Well, he tells me he does. Look, uh, before we go off the flight, a lot of people understand we came up with the Golden Rose form line being the stronger form line than the traditional form line, the, the Zoo Gotcha T-Rose form line. But uh, it was wrong because Fireburn was disappointing and there was no excuse. Even the jockey said... 
in those conditions which should have suited her, she just didn't didn't perform. Yeah, that should have been a sweet spot. Um, yeah, got a long way back, obviously, but uh, yeah, all credit to Zoo Gotcha. There was really only one winner a, a little way out, wasn't there? So we saw the dead heat in the Epsom. Could you believe we saw another close finish? Not a dead heat, but not far off it in the Metropolitan. Here's the replay. 400 metres to run. Carriff in front. Ran out a bit on Ladon de V. Betting off Grove Ferry. Then Realm of Flowers and Durston's winding up down the outside. Arapahoe trying to go with it. Slicing through the middle. No compromise. And also Stockman. It's Carriff. Ladon de V. Durston the outside. Realm of Flowers still there from Stockman. And no compromise. Picking up now. It's Ladon de V. No compromise. Late Realm of Flowers. No compromise. And Ladon de V. Here we go again. Another close one. No compromise. And Ladon de V headed in a tight photo. Roma Flowers has fought on doggedly for third in front of Stockman, Sacramento, then Durston, who peaked on the run. Further back to Carriff from Mankay and Hammeron, Cucaracha, and Grove Ferry was last to finish. That was Chris Wallace's second group one yesterday. He's now won five Metropolitans. Tommy Berry, the rider, he joins us. Tommy, good morning. Hey, guys, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this was a right and a half, uh, swerving from left to right in the straight. Just take us through it from the home turn onwards. Yeah, look, I was moving into the race quite nicely and coming off the back of Ron um, and getting to the outside of him. And that run, I, I could see, was sort of just starting to close as I was getting to it. So I, I didn't want to persist for that run or, or break my horse's momentum too much. So I just steered him back towards the inside without costing him too much momentum and, and, and as I did that just to straighten him back up I pulled the stick through to the right and gave him a couple on the right and that really straightened him up and got him going and um, yeah we were able to get the job done so it would have been a good thing beat if uh, if, if we didn't get uh, the run run in the end but um, all good things happened at the end it was great doesn't look to be the strongest Caulfield Cup I've got to suggest in, in history Tommy if Chris goes that way with this horse do you think he could be competitive in a Caulfield Cup? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, he's, you know, he's, he's metropolitan form. Um, holds up quite well in a, a Caulfield Cup, especially as you said this year. I think it will because it's not the strongest we've seen. And a couple of the, the main chances yesterday, like Monophilia and um, Jewess, were a little bit disappointing. So, um, obviously, the winner of the Turnbull was quite impressive. Uh, it'll be hard to beat, but it's, it's, I don't think I've seen a, a market so open, um, you know, before Noms market anyway for the Caulfield Cup. It's, probably anyone, so he definitely wouldn't be out of place in that. Do you know, is he definitely going there, or could they look at the St. Ledger? Yeah, I think both both races are on the on the cards for him. Um, team haven't made up their mind yet, so um, I'll leave it with them and, and see what they come up with, but either race would be very competitive. He's, I, I probably would have thought the St. Ledger would have been too far for him a preparation ago, but he's relaxing so much better now, which is in, it's helping him run the distances out uh, the way he is, and um, so I have no doubt he'll run out that trip if they do go to the same ledger. Can you give us a couple, give the listeners a, a couple that you really, I mean, the start of the spring, I guess, really, in some ways was, was yesterday, the big-time spring races. A couple of horses that you're really looking forward to, to riding as we get deeper into the spring? Yeah, I think um, Numerian was good again yesterday. He was only second up, and he was up on, on top of that hot speed, and he was the last man standing there with and beaten by a, a good one on the day. Um, so he's heading towards the Caulfield Cup as well. Um, there's a chance I might go and ride him at this stage. I haven't got anything in the Everest, so I could head to, head to Caulfield for him. Uh, I'll, I'll make that decision tomorrow. Um, and then um, she's extreme is going to head towards um, the spring champion. I thought she was going to defeat again yesterday. Um, she was nice and strong on the line, just beat by a horse with a better turn of foot, but... Um, you know she's she's done nothing wrong this preparation and, and it's going well. Um, so they're they're two of the main ones. Two year olds are coming through. There's plenty of nice young two year olds, um, well bred ones with the Snowdens and and, um, and and Michael Friedman that I've been riding of late uh, in their track work. So looking forward to a few of them stepping out as well. Good work yesterday, mate. Thanks for being with us this morning. I appreciate that, guys. Take care. Tommy Berry joining us. He deserved that win. He'd been a runner up three times before. No compromise. One yesterday, getting there by a nose from. La Don de V and Realm of Flowers. Let's go to the premiere. This is the last lead up to the Everest in a fortnight's time.
And it's Prime Candidate swinging in front by a length and a half to Apache Chase. Lost and running gets going on the outside of Marzu and they beat off over past. Prime Candidate the fence being tackled wide out by Lost and running and quickly Lost and running moved up to take the lead. Marzu's fighting on together with Apache Chase. Back on the inside, Mars Crusaders flying late. It's Lost and running from Marzu. Lost and running. Marzu, Lost and running. Lost and running's won the premiere. Uh, Three-way go for the Miners. Mazu rattling home Mars Crusader and Kemantari. Then overpass from Apache Chase Brutality. Further back to Prime Candidate and Shelby 66. He was expected to win yesterday. He's providing the main opposition to Nature Strip. Well, the market is saying that for the Everest in two weeks' time. My opinion is, if you're a Nature Strip fan, you wouldn't have lost any confidence yesterday. They all ran well, lost and running. Mazu, Mars Crusader, but they all finished alongside of each other. Yeah, uh, take your point. Uh, I reckon Lost and Running and Marzu are only going to get better, though. And Mars Crusader was running on a track which he should have hated, you know, a heavy track and was exceptional. So, uh, look, I thought they all ran well. <laughs> look, maybe I'm clutching at straws here, but I just had a look at the Everest market overnight. And, gee whiz, I know there would be an every Everest, but, but gee, this could be the quickest run Everest ever. There is so, so much pace in it. So... Look, who knows, if Nature Strip happened to draw inside and just got crossed by four or five quick ones outside, we could see a shock result. Probably can't see it happening. He is the best horse. Um, but if you're on the lost and running bandwagon, you'd certainly be happy with that yesterday. And, yeah, As I said, he's only going to get better. Yeah, and I think to support your point, those three horses all ran well yesterday, so they're all headed in the right direction for the right time in two weeks' time. Our last replay from Royal Ramwick yesterday, this is the Hill Stakes. Kiss the bride just in front from Numerian. And Monophilia pulls out three wide now. A half length off them. Cascadian gets onto her back as they turn. Kiss the bride's had enough. Numerian takes the lead with Monophilia looming up on the outside. And Monophilia revved up by Collar trying to get on terms with Numerian. And Cascadian's going towards the inside. Monophilia's flat. She's gone. And Cascadian sprinted hard. Went up to join Numerian. Monophilia staggering, but she'll run third. Cascadian's drawn clear now from Numerian. And it's a big win to Cascadian in the Hill Stakes by three lengths to Numerian. Montefilia plotted into third. Yonkers fourth and a big gap back to Elephant and Kiss the Bride. J-Mac to the four on Cascadian for Godolphin beating Numerian. And Montefilia, I think Darren was spot on there. She went up to win and was something like someone pulled her tail. She just stopped and went backwards. Yeah, it was the story of the race, Montefilia getting... You know, well, well beaten. Um, you know, one of the leading fancies for a Caulfield Cup. I think now out to fifteen dollars or or even better. So, look, race didn't fill me with joy. Six horse race. Um, you know, good horse won, but uh, still sort of, on that boat. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the six horse got beaten twenty six lengths. The fifth Get horse twenty two lengths. The fourth horse twelve lengths. I don't know. Get over. Leave me out of it. By all that talk this morning, we're running behind time now. Anyway, yeah, oh, well, it's just what I do. One hundred percent. Let's take a break. Back in a moment. This is Pass the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. I've been mentioning how Archer Park have good success with tried horses from interstate. There's the chance to buy one. It's a maiden, so you're starting right from the bottom, called Galifian Arcus. I think I've got the pronunciation right. Chris Waller had it. Seven starts being placed in six of the provincials in New South Wales. There's still 20% left, Ben. Did you hear me, Ben? I heard you. And I met the great Chris Vessel for the first time the other night. I'd had a very, very long lunch and was a bit worse for wear when I met him, but uh, enjoyed a couple of beers with him. He's a great man, Chris. Well, Galifianakis, go to the website, have a look at it, and it will be trained by Jack Bruce, one of your favourite trainers. So 20% share left there. It has been placed in six of seven in New South Wales. Let's go to Flemington yesterday and go to Ben's favourite race, the Group 1 Turnbull Stakes. The favourite was Gold Trip. Into the straight, 450 to go. Knight's Order just in front of Smoke and Romans, getting a bit closer now, and it's a neck away, and now levels up. They were followed by Maximal. Young Verda behind them needs a run, Dewis, and then Gold Trip. Further back, Profondo. Smoke and Romans, 250 metres to go, takes the lead from Maximal. Young Verda, then Gold Trip. Smoke and Romans, 100 metres to go, still in front, and will win the Turnbull. Smoke and Romans from Maximal second, Young Verda third, and 
Fourth was Knight's Order. Then Inspirational Girl, Lunsi's Gold Trip, Dewis Profondo, Great House Chapada, Surefire Milford, Crystal Pegasus, and he's a shocker at the tail of the field. A young man with a Group 1, Ethan Brown and Smokin' Romans. Yes, third two after Snap Dancer twice. He'll ride Snap Dancer in the Everest. The same day, Smokin' Romans is now the Caulfield Cup favourite, if you don't mind. Five bucks, 51.5 kgs, and Jamie Carter ride. Yeah, it's an extraordinary rise from Smokin' Romans, isn't it? Considering uh, it wasn't really that long ago, he won the Packenham Cup. So Packenham Cup to Group 1 winner inside a year. Uh, extraordinary stuff. I saw a stat... Uh, yesterday, I think five of the last Turnbull winners have gone on to win either the Caulfield Cup, Cox Plate or Melbourne Cup in the same year. I'd suggest that probably wouldn't be happening this year, but he's certainly a horse on the way up. Maximal, I thought. Uh, he's arguably the horse I want to be on for the Cox Plate. I thought he was very good in second. He would plunge in weight in the Caulfield Cup. And I reckon... What are you laughing at? Uh, now, now you think I'm wrapping the form no, out of the race. No, a good friend of mine, a very good friend of mine who might be listening is on maximal of the 100 to 1 in the Caulfield Cup and sent me a text last time to say, surely luck will go my way. I've got to be honest with you, and I don't lie to you, he thinks you're a bad judge. Yeah, well, so and, do most people. And you've just mentioned maximal. Who is it? Don't worry about it. He's just turned the radio <laughs> off. and said, don't uh, spoil my day. No, well, uh, I thought it was a good run. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a good run. It was a good run. Okay, I want to go to the Gill guy. This horse land a very good bet, so he always gets under the radar. Private eye, he's a beauty. Here's the replay. Onto the course proper with 500 metres to go. It's the astrologist in Kemmel Passer. A length and a half rockin' horse, Othelric and Serious Suspect. Then Shaquero swats that badly needs a run. Then Baller and Private Eye down the outside from Tycoonus. The astrologist, 250 metres to go. Joined by Rockin' Horse and now Private Eye. The heavily backed Private Eye takes the lead from Rockin' Horse, the astrologist, and then Baller. But it's Private Eye surging away. Back for a stack and bolts in. Private Eye from Rock and Horse Baller, then the Astrologist. Further back, Zutori Tycoonus swats that. Serious suspect, Kemal Passer, Wild Planet, Athelric and Shaquiro. Well, he probably should have won the Stradbroke. You won't agree with me, Ben. You're the alligator blood man. But I, I think he was very unlucky in the Stradbroke. He's, uh, he's a horse, as I said, often gets under the radar. He's a, he's a ripper. Joe Pride, his trainer, joins us. Joe, good morning. Geez, probably, you reckon. I think you need to watch the replay again. <laughs> oh, right. He's actually he kicking was, up. He's he actually kicking up here. Beat. He was a certainty beat. Right. Well, let's reset. We'll start again now. Private Eye <laughs> was a certainty beat in the Stradbroke. <laughs> hey, what about uh, this? Was a you were also an acceptor in the Premier. You've gone to the Gill guy up the straight. Uh, he's just delivered again in an, in another forum. Yeah, he's a, he's a fantastic horse. He's you know, nine from twenty one now, and and really been since yes, from this that day yesterday a year ago. He's really been starved of. Of opportunity, you know, um, there's wet, wet, really wet tracks or or bad luck. So it was just great to get him back in the winner's circle and and see him do it in such emphatic emphatic fashion. I suppose looking back to the, the Stradbroke form, um, you know, must have given you confidence going in that race. Obviously, I got a blood to come out and won a Group One. I think Rothfire won a Group Two, who was third in the Stradbroke yeah. as well. So it's 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 looking yep. pretty good that Stradbroke form, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. And then uh, I think Starpont's won the won the. Um, yep. Uh, PR straight after running in the Stradbroke as well, so no, it's very, very good form as you expect from a Stradbroke. It's a, it's a high quality race, and um, yeah, it was just good, good to, as I say, good to get him back into the winner's circle. First go up the straight at Flemington. Uh, uh, trainers often think I've got a horse who'll be suited by that, or, or some that aren't suited by it. So obviously, you thought it would suit him. Oh, it, was a, it was guesswork. I had two jockeys telling me they thought it would. Josh, who rode him, and Brenton was very confident he'd get up there as well. I think they get a bit of a feel for it when they ride the horses, whether horses are going to be suited or not, because it's it's comments. You do get comments from jockeys from time to time about whether they think you know they'd be a good straight horse. So they got it right. Um, very good horse. I suppose it's not a bad gamble when you're gambling on a on a horse of his quality to, to do something a bit different. Eduardo. Um, how's he going? And what did you make of Super, the, what yeah, did you really, make of the premier? Really, yesterday? really happy. Um, what did I think of the premier? Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, it was a it's a bit of a blanket finish. I, I guess a couple of things out of it. Probably Kementari's your measuring stick there. So I don't think any of the horses went to a, a new level. Um, but though, yeah, there's some good performances in it. Mars Crusader was very good. I thought. Um, and not suited on a on a wet track, so he he was he was probably the one out of that race I thought would um, would be a danger in Everest Day because he has been at that top level before. Could James Heron pick Private Eye for the Everest? 
It may happen. Yeah, it may happen. There's some. Um, yeah, yeah. There's some talk about it there this morning. So we're going to run on Everest Day regardless, whether it's in the Sydney Stakes or the Everest. So um, there's a little bit to be played out between now and then. Good on you, mate. Thanks for your time this morning. Thank you very much. Joe Pride joining us. Lock it in. You sound like you know something there, right? Um, I think that the private eye will be in the Everest. and uh, so you know. Uh, no, I don't know, officially. Um, and I think he's um, a horse that I give great respect to because um, uh, he's got that blinding finish, wet or dry, no drama. You know, and you'll be talking about the speed and you're spot on with that. So I think he'd be a worthy addition. Only two slots left. Couldn't disagree. I'll see. Just have a look and see if he's in the betting market. Yes, he is. What price uh, is he? $18. Fair enough. And, which is interesting considering Eduardo is $15 now. Here's another good horse on uh, the Flemington yesterday. Unbeated Giga Kick in the Danehill. 550 metres to run. It's Duel the leader from Sun Tzu, Swiss Exile and Giga Kick is coming on up the middle. They were followed next by Buena Noches who hooks out wider. Cannonball is coiled up and further back in the field, Great Barrier Reef. 250 to go. It's Duel with Giga Kick joining in and Buena Noches the outside. Giga Kick takes the lead, shown the whip. Led three quarters of a length. Buena Noches, Duel Cannonball. So it's Giga Kick finding 50 metres to go. Buena Noches is going to lunge. Giga kick off by the notches. It's very, very close, but I think Giga kicks held it. Then Cannonball duel in photos. Back behind those Brereton Great Barrier Reef Swiss Exile. Next to complete the course, General Barca, then Stupendo, and then Sun Tzu and Zoo Sensation. Four from four. Hadn't run for seven weeks. Hadn't run since winning the Vane at Caulfield in mid-August, but love this horse. Uh, uh, makes his own luck, and he'll go to the Coolmore uh, on the, at the end of this month. Let's go to the other feature from yesterday, the Bart Cummings and Lunar Flame successful here. 550 metres to go. It's Midnight Blue on the outside of Serpentine. Deshaun Sweet Jr. next. Then came San Herberto Interpretation. Lunar Flare. High emotion brought to the outside. Vow and Declare needs a run. And then came King of the Castle. Midnight Blue. 300 metres to go. Sprints to the front. A length and a half. Lunar Flare Interpretation. Serpentine is kicking back. And then came Frank Francesco Gardi from a long way back, but Luna Flair, 100 metres to go, takes the lead, comes clear, a length and a quarter. Luna Flair will win. Luna Flair from Francesco Gardi, and third in the middle was interpretation from Vow and Declare, and then came team captain Midnight Blue from Serpentine, who was in it for a long way. Next to finish in the race, higher motion in company with Deshaun Sweet Jr., well back king of the castle, and San Herberto. She's a seven-year-old bear by a Melbourne Cup winner, Fiorente, and she goes to the Melbourne Cup by winning the Bard Cummings. That'll be Graham Begg's first runner in the, the big race on the first Tuesday in November, but she'll run in the Mooney Valley Cup before that, and then uh, a relatively short run-up, 12 days to the Melbourne Cup. That were some of the highlights from Flemington yesterday. Let's go to Eagle Farm. We'll go to the sprint. We had a smart one. Was easy in betting late. They swing into the straight. 4.50 left to Rana. And Asamu flattened in front from King Klaus. Archer's Paradox diving back to the rail. We had a smart one trying to push into the clear. Pizzani half put it in the pocket. And Racecourse Road two lengths behind them. Asamu on the inside in front. Archer's Paradox is trying hard to get on terms. We had a smart one under pressure. Not doing enough. Asamu's the leader. Wants to hang off the track. Archer's Paradox having another go on the inside. Asamu and Archer's Paradox. We had a smart one flashing. But Asamu. Asamu back to his best today. Beat Paradox. We had a smart one. Closest late. Third. Fourth either King Klaus or Pizzoni. And race course road last over the line. I often say on the, our preview shows, make sure you listen to the, the market updates, particularly in those last 20 minutes, particularly in the last 10 minutes. And we had a smart one. They wanted to take him on. They backed two to beat him. Asamu and Archer's Paradox. And they ran one, two. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? Uh, got out at $2.30. We own a smart one. I reckon the key to Asamu winning this race was, I think there was, I mean, you're a better judge than these things than me, but there was less pressure early on this in this race than we everyone thought there was going to be. Everyone thought there was going to be a mad charge, but Asamu 100%. found it relatively comfortable. 100%. I, I thought Archer's Paradox would lead, and I think she could have, Georgie Cartwright, but uh, Asamu probably began a bit better and then went to the front, controlled and held Archer's Paradox. We own a smart one. was coming back from the 1110 to the 1000. I think that's significant. I think sometimes a thousand metre races are, are really races of their own. They're, they're, they're peculiar races and they're different races to other distances. But he wasn't disgraced. His best work was late and his sectional was good. The last race promised plenty uh, from a, a point of view of the betting, but also two up and comers here Berry Cart and Sweet Margot May. Again, the putter struck here Sweet Margot May with Berry Cart getting out of the market. 
around the turn. 4.50 left to run. Sweet Margot Bay's gone right up behind Bericard. Here's a clash coming up in the straight. Bericard leads the way. Sweet Margot Bay to the inside is immediately under pressure, but chipping into the margin. The jockey on Bericard getting anxious. Sweet Margot Bay now levelling up. Hot Spring Gold getting out. Sweet Margot Bay got to Bericard, then Hot Spring Gold, but with 100 metres left to go. Sweet Margot Bay pulling away. Tara Jasmine flying. Too late, sister. Sweet Margot Bay beat Tara Jasmine. Bericard might have run third, just in front of Leave Me Some. Then Hot Spring Gold wins side. Genzai the Wolf in past General Dubai. Well back was great offence, Ice in Vancouver. And Miss Divine M last over the line. Sweet Margot May's a promising horse for uh, Rob Heathcote and a great ride by Ben Thompson. I think it was advantageous to be near the rail yesterday, understandably when the rail's true. Uh, he put her in the right spot right behind Berry Cart and uh, then slipped under it, never went around a horse. Yeah, if you're on some sweet Margot May like a lot were, you always had a comfortable watch, I reckon. I'll tell you what, David Fowler, you're quite a good caller, aren't you? I quite enjoy listening to your calls. Too late, sister. Very good. Some yeah, of your best work. She was too late. Let's go to Jetty's race uh, for a race eight. Mark Duplessis, take him to the front, dictating the terms. Fully homeward bound, swimming by the 400. Jenny shifted three or four away from the rail, but he's the leader. Batiga's got ample room to come through to the inside. Likewise, Ligulate. Mob Buster came off the bit, then faced off. Jenny going strongly. Batiga hasn't got him as yet. And Ligulate inside the pair, down towards 100. Jenny the leader. Batiga coming gamely, then Ligulate. But still Jenny in front. Greek Hero is screaming home. Jenny the leader. Greek Hero flew too late. Jenny beat Greek Hero. Third either Ligulate or Batiga. Then came Tradition. Mob Buster, followed by Faistos, then Ven did it. Wider Sabatimus, Trevelyan Cloak, and Rayma Cash out towards the tail. Chris Munn's training, Jenny Mark Duplessis riding. He likes Eagle Farm. The first city two-year-old race was run yesterday. Mashani Renegade was the winner. Jimmy Orman riding for Les Ross. He's on the line, Les. Good morning. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ben. How many Mashani horses have you got as two-year-olds this season? Tell me. Well, I think... Uh... We were just talking about it, actually. I think 27 or 28 of Mike's, but, um, and I've got three of um, a couple of little clients, uh, Malcolm Gray and uh, Albert Chu. So uh, I think we've got 30 on the books at the moment. What were your confidence levels with this winner? I talked to Crooksy, Mike Crooks, after the race. He said he backed three of the four in the race, and this was one of them. So he got some money out of it. But uh, your confidence levels? Oh, I, I wasn't after Toowoomba. We went to Toowoomba um and we just didn't have them as wound up this year as we did last year, and we got rolled last year too. So, uh, but yeah, I wasn't that confident going to Toowoomba, and again, I wasn't that confident yesterday. But knowing that we hadn't really pushed the button on, we're sort of keeping them a little bit uh, uh, on the easy side going into um, going into trying to keep them keep them last until to the Magic Millions this year, hopefully. Les, uh, with these early season two-year-olds, I suppose we we, we generally see them either lead or be handy, and that's a great asset. But I don't mind seeing a horse who can sit back and hit the line well. And when you consider he wasn't that well away, he gave them a good start. It's a pleasing sign to see a horse who's got a, a really generous finish. Yeah, I was lucky enough to train the mother as well. Um, Mike owned that, and uh, she used to get back and, and come home like that. But I, I, uh, I didn't expect that horse to be that far back, to be truthful. But uh, Jimmy's the best rider in the... In Queensland, probably <laughs> he's, he's he's just killing at the moment, and uh, he he rode with that much confidence. So yeah, yeah I was happy. Uh, even at the furlong, I didn't think he was going to pick him up, but I was, I was pleased he did. I must admit, I'm a bit confused, Les. There was talk of retirement with you, and then there was there was well, <laughs> I think it was formalised. You were going into partnership with Brent and Andrew. Now I don't think that's happening either. Just inform our listeners as to what's going on. Oh, well, we were going into um, partnership, but uh, unfortunately, uh, Brenton moved out there and he did a couple of weeks. He was out, out there for seven weeks and uh, unfortunately, last Saturday, he, uh, he resigned. Um, really a uh, bit strange, actually, because uh, there was no explanation or anything. He just sent us a text saying that he's, uh, he just packed up and left, but um, uh, that's life, isn't it? Uh, so we'll just move on. Uh, there's no partnership now, but... Um, you never know what's going on. I'm, I'm not ruling the partnership out. We'll look for another trainer because I, I do... I, the reason I want to have a partnership is to, so I can have a bit of time off. And um, I've been doing it 38 years, I think, and uh, never been for a holiday. Uh, never never had a holiday. So uh, I want to try and get someone in there to take over and, and have a month off uh, through the year, you know. Well, you enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks for joining us this morning. What's that? 
I said, you enjoy the day. We're finished with you now. Thank you. Lovely, lovely. Good on you, mate. See you. Cheers. Thanks, David. Les Ross joining us this morning. And, uh, yeah, they, they get the horse up and running early and get the money early. Like, not only the, the winning prize money, but the cutest money as well. All up just over seven, well, just close up to 70000 Yeah, absolutely terrific result. Now, I know we're out of time. Just got to give one quick plug. You and I are co-hosting a lunch at the G-Bung RSL on Friday. Um, supports two uh, local special schools. It's a charity lunch, the G-Bung Special School and the Aspley Special School, and we'll have Rob Heathcote and Tegan Harrison there, so that'll be fun, and I think we're also interviewing each other, so I'm sure that'll be a lot of fun too. That'll be real So fun. there are tickets, $80 each, still available, so you can ring the G-Bung RSL or visit their website if you want to get involved. It's a good day. I've been there a few times hosting it, and um, they do a great job, and, and the kids come along, and I'm telling you, the kids come along and sing at the start of the day, and it is an absolute joy to behold, joy to watch, so uh, looking forward to that on Friday. Hey, look, we've, we're only four minutes late. That was the exact time of your rant this morning, so we would have finished on time otherwise. Uh, beautiful work. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya. And folks, talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for your company. Thanks to Archer Park for their support. And yeah, join you tomorrow morning on Press Room. You have a good day. Bye-bye.